0: I'm Julie. I'm happy to be here today with you. It's been a little bit. So welcome. I want to welcome the online audience. Uh, Do you know what the problem with camels is? (laughs) You didn't even know camels had a problem, did you? Uh, They do. Camels are extremely powerful and resilient, but camels will push themselves to the point of exhaustion, and then they'll drop dead. So that's problematic. But the real issue with camels is they give no warning signs before they drop dead. So you could be trekking in the desert with them for a 1,000 miles, they'd be steady, they'd be great, and then the next moment, they're dead. Anyone feel like that this morning? Like, you can relate better to a camel than the person sitting next to you. Uh, last month, I was in Phoenix for a tech slash web developer conference, and I look forward to this conference all Year, It's so great, it's so inspiring, and literally the keynote speaker opened with a comment this year that this conference was like the Super Bowl for church IT tech nerds. And I would agree with that statement, but I've never watched the Super Bowl two people here know what I'm talking about, but as I sat there at the start of this conference during the keynote, hearing all of these amazing things that they were developing, things they were releasing on beta, you know, stuff you could actually get your hands on and play with, my only thought during this keynote was how weary my soul was. I wanted to lay down right there in the middle of this conference and take a nap. It caught me completely off guard. Camels give no warning signs before they drop dead, and I can't help but wonder if the human heart is similar. So today, we're in the last week of a series called Through the Valley. and this series, we've um, dedicated some time to learning some strategies on how we can encounter the presence and strength of Jesus in the midst of our disappointments and heartache and weariness and exhaustion. Um, So today, I want to talk about the compounding effect that disappointments have on our life. Because the reality is, is disappointment is not only a part of life, But disappointment is devastating because it compounds and it stacks up over the years. And as this happens, these things become not only the baggage we schlep around, but if disappointment is left unchecked, it potentially has the ability to shape who we are and who we come. And this is dangerous because as followers of Christ, we are called to be like Him letting his truths dictate and shape who we are and who we become, not our disappointments. So there's this ancient form of torture known as linchi. Now we know it as a death by 1,000 cuts. And as this name implies, lynchi is the brutal process where the executioner administers a series of cuts to the skin. Now this will eventually kill the person, but the aim is to make this form of torture slow and painful, and um, it's horrific. Now, it's outlawed for good reason, but this form of torture is akin to a tactic our enemy uses on us. But unlike the ancient person sentenced to die in this matter, this slow and brutal assault on us happens through a series of disappointments. And disappointments can turn into discouragement, And if these things are left unchecked, these can turn into deep, deep, soul-crushing weariness. And most of the time, we can rally through this until we can't. And then like a camel, we simply lay down as something dies. Our jobs, our marriages, our relationships, our dreams, or worst of all, our hope. Beloved, we cannot push our weary souls to this point. There's an interesting account in the Old Testament where the Lord uses the prophet Ezekiel to offer his people some hope in the midst of their disappointments. Now this happens at a point in Israel's history where they are in captivity. The nation's divided, they're dispersed, and really it couldn't get worse. They had no land, no king, and no temple. And because of it, they had absolutely no hope. Everything appeared as if God had deserted them, and they were in this state of living death, pining away in a state of judgment with absolutely no end in sight. But God directed the prophet Ezekiel to start prophesying Israel's rebirth as a nation. And he did this, not because it's fully come to pass today, but because it offered the nation hope, and they desperately needed this hope. So we're gonna look at this account today because I too believe that this offers us hope that we so desperately need in the midst of our valley of disappointments. So here's what the scripture says. This is Ezekiel talking. Um, He's recounting this vision that he had. Ezekiel said, the hand of the Lord was on me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. And he led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of this valley. Bones that were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? Pretty weird, huh? There are so many dead, dry bones on the floor of this valley that God doesn't even have to point out the obvious to the prophet. It's Ezekiel who observes, I saw a great many bones on the floor of this valley. Bones that were very dry. Now, I don't know about you, but old, dusty bones represent death to me. But not just death, like stale death. Death that happened a long time ago. So my small group was at our acreage this summer for a potluck, and the kids had disappeared, and they were gone for a while. And when they came back, they had a bunch of old bones from who knows what kind of animals. They had gone exploring and had wandered into our horse barn and found a graveyard of coyotes and farm cats and who knows, whatever, raccoons. And as a group, these kids were trying to reassemble these bones from a lot of different animals, they were fascinated with them. I, however, hadn't given these bones a second thought. I'd seen them before, but they just represented death that happened a long time ago. So this is the sense I get as I read this. I saw a great many bones on the floor of this valley, bones that were very dry, bones that had been sitting in this horse barn for 10-plus years. Now, remember, these bones represented Israel's collective disappointments and heartaches. They're in exile, they're in captivity, and they have lost their hope. I imagine there's so many disappointments lying on the floor of this valley. So many hopeful moments grown cold. I imagine it's so overwhelming to be in the midst of this vision. So think back to your earliest disappointments. We all have so many. We are all so epically disappointed that we don't even know how to process it all. We don't even talk about the things that disappoint us the most. We just tuck them away in the corner of our mind and they too become a great many bones lying on the valley of our heart. But the truth is, You don't just have your disappointments and heartaches that stack up over the years, you have the disappointments of others to carry around also. My dad took me and my little daughter, Lily, to the circus in Nashua this summer, and right away, Lily spotted the face painting tent. Now, let me start by saying that at an event where there'll be lots of kids, face painting should be illegal in all 50 states. Anyone who has had to wait in line for 500 plus hours to get some colorful blob painted on their kid's face for $20 Knows exactly what I'm talking about Yes It's illegal should be illegal So that said at intermission we rushed out there and stood in that line Just like every other family the July Sun was hot the line was long and there was one person painting faces one person We stood in that line through the whole intermission. We were down to three kids left in front of us, and as the circus started again, the face painter said, I only have time to paint three faces, because my act is starting soon. Three faces out of four kids. Three faces out of four kids. Lily could count. I could see her tallying up the number of kids in front of her, and I could see the look of despair in her eye. So I tried to rally. I tried to push through my frustration and my anger, and I said, it's okay. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll get your face painted after the circus, okay? Just trust me. We'll do this. The disappointment softened in her face a little bit, and I persuaded her to trust me. And I kid you not. We lurked at the tent entrance the entire second half, so we'd be able to rush out there and be first in line when the circus ended. And do you know what? We weren't even close. There was a second performance that night, and 1,000 more kids came to specifically stand in that wretched line. (laughs) Do you know the one thing Lily remembers about the circus this summer? the disappointment of not getting her face painted. So not only do we have our disappointments that stack up and compound over the years, but we carry around the disappointments of others. Disappointments stack up and hang around and can't be swept under the rug and forgotten for long. Our valley of disappointment and heartache is so great. I have them, beloved, I know you have them. So isn't it interesting that it is in this valley of disappointment where Ezekiel encounters God. God places Ezekiel in the valley and he starts showing him the magnitude of these heartaches and these shattered dreams. Listen, don't miss this when our heartaches and disappointments are too overwhelming, this is where God offers us hope. This is where God offers us hope. So the first thing we need to do when confronting our own disappointments is first ask God to give us a big picture vision. Ask God to give you a big picture vision. I'm using the word vision, but another way to say this is to ask God to help you see with clarity the landscape of your disappointments. God could have offered Ezekiel hope with just words. He could have instructed him to take those words back to the people of Israel so they too would have hope. But instead, God set the prophet in the valley of dry bones so he had to come face to face with dreams long dead. Face to face with hopes shattered. This is important. This is so hard. Ezekiel had to recognize and acknowledge their disappointments before God's restorative work began. Ezekiel had to recognize and acknowledge their disappointments before God's restorative work began. So we too need to come face-to-face with our disappointments, face-to-face with our hopes and dreams lying shattered on our valley floor. Ask God to show you the places in your heart where you're harboring and nursing those thousands of tiny little cuts that are slowly and brutally killing you. Take time with this. These things accumulate over the years. This is baggage we've been carrying around for a while. So name them. Use words to acknowledge them. So I did this in two ways over the past several weeks. First, I shared many unspoken disappointments with my husband, not of my husband, okay? There's a difference. So don't do that, that will not go well for you. I shared many unspoken disappointments with my husband. I opened up and told him several of my greatest disappointments in my life, things he never knew about me. We've been married 20 plus years. So find a trusted person and share or acknowledge some of those secret disappointments. And if you can't do that, another way I did this over the past couple weeks was I wrote them down. I simply put them on paper so they didn't remain solely in my heart. There's some big things on those papers, and there were some little things, some things that surprised me. But acknowledging them is like bringing the hidden things out of our hearts where they have less hold on us, less power over us, and that's what we want. We want to be able to see with clarity, with awareness and understanding what is in our valley of dry bones. So this is the first step for dealing with our own disappointments. Because if we don't open up a way to process these things and see God working in the midst of them, we will be tempted to let Satan rewrite God's love story as a negative narrative in our own hearts. So ask God to give you a big picture vision and then once you have it, it is God who then asks, beloved, can these bones live? Notice the question that God poses to the prophet in the middle of this valley. Son of man, can these bones live? In other words, Ezekiel, all I'm showing you is death. All you're seeing is death, but do you believe I'm able to bring life from this? Do you believe I'm able to do something new and different with this? Do you believe I'm able to change this old, stale death into something new, something alive? And the prophet's response is great. He says, Sovereign Lord, how do I know? Only you know what you're capable of. Only you know what you're willing to do. And this is great because he said, I don't know what you're able to do. I don't have the vision for it. I don't have the power to do anything with this. My reality is all I'm seeing is this valley of dry, dead bones. Sovereign Lord, only you know what you can bring about. And just like Ezekiel, we too are left to say, sovereign Lord, I'm looking around this valley of disappointments long gone, of dreams long shattered, of hope gone. I'm looking around and all I see is death. So what can you do with this? And this is how God responded to Ezekiel and to the nation of Israel and how God responds to us today. Then God said to me, prophesy to these dry bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. So he does it. Ezekiel starts prophesying or speaking the words God tells him to speak to these bones. And as he was doing it, he hears the bones start to rattle. And then they come together. And then tendons and flesh appear on these bones. And then skin starts appearing on these human info- humanoid forms. And before long, a vast and great army was standing there in this vision. But they weren't alive. Not yet. So let's pause here so we notice the order of how things come together. God said, I will make breath into you and you will come to life. But the process for creating that life started with creating the structure to support that life. It started with the bones coming together. So this is the second thing that I want us to pay attention to when confronting our own disappointments. There's a process of restoration. There is a process of restoration. So here's a tool to add to your disappointment toolkit. First, we remember, we ask God to give us a big picture vision so we have awareness of what's in our valley of dry bones. And then second, we recognize that disappointments are the building blocks for the new life God will bring about. Disappointments are the building blocks for the new life God will bring about. Now notice. God doesn't remove the old dry bones, he just rearranges them. He starts pulling and pushing and putting them together and they start to resemble something. The dry bones become the underlining structure for the new life God is creating. Do you wanna know why? Because this is what offers his people hope. This is where his people encounter him. When all the pain and disappointment and heartache gets to be too much, God specializes in turning ashes into something beautiful. He specializes in creating life where no life exists. So my five-year-old is in kindergarten, and she's learning to read. Uh, So every week, she has homework in the form of a very simple book that we read together. I read it to her, she reads it to me, or I should say she struggles to read it to me. But what happens during this process is we identify the words she knows, we sound out the words she doesn't know. I ask her to recall from previous pages, words she's seen to help her with the word on the page where she's stuck. Um, It's a lot of work. We get frustrated a lot at each other, at the book, all of it. It's very slow going and it hardly ever goes well. But I'll never forget the time she read the entire book on her face or read the book and then realized she had just read the entire book the look on her face was so glorious it was incredible we celebrated so then we read the book several more times but each time it was like starting from scratch again identifying words sounding them out asking for help but both of us recognized it was possible And we were adding to the foundation for reading she was learning in kindergarten. Um, So this gave us hope to continue even in the hard, frustrating, monotonous work of it all. Likewise, it is in the nitty gritty work of restoration that we find the hope to continue. This is where we encounter God. So the first step is to recognize our disappointments, name them, acknowledge them, use words to, to describe them, but the second critical step is to recognize that God specializes in offering hope to his people in the middle of our disappointments, but it's not always so obvious. So here's a simple thing to do to help you recognize where God is working and at the same time encounter him in a powerful way. First, you look out the list of disappointments you wrote down, and then you ask God to show you how he's been rearranging them. Remember, disappointments are the building blocks for the new life God will bring about. So we ask him how he's been rearranging them. Ezekiel did this. So as he's prophesying or speaking the words, God told him to speak over the bones in this visit, vision. He paid attention and he listed out the order of how things came together. I think we have a slide for this. So verse seven says there was a noise, there was a rattling sound, the bones started coming together, flesh and tendons appeared on the bones, and then skin covered them. So this is what we do. We list all the ways where we've seen God work in and through a situation, and it's especially critical to do in the midst of it because this practice shepherds our heart back to God where we encounter Him. So we do this for every disappointment we're struggling with. We write it down and we plan to share with people. So here's a few simple questions to ask yourselves in the midst of this process. Ask yourself, where have I seen God work in this disappointment? Where have I seen good things come from this disappointment? Where have I or am I finding hope in the middle of this disappointment? You get into the practice of regularly identifying these building blocks of how God is working. So that will give you hope that eventually you will make it through. Uh, so for me, I, this is what I've been doing. I have started walking my dogs in the morning. Now I have a picture because I can't help myself. This is Big Tasty and Little Mama otherwise known as Brutus and Fiona. Uh, So we go for a walk. I walk because it takes me away from my desk in the morning. It takes me away from my computer and my cell phone and everybody and anything vying for my attention. And it gets me out of my head and it gets me into the quiet of this beautiful country where I can just let my heart connect with God. So lately I've been asking myself this very question because I too have been writing down and listing out my my disappointments in order to address them. And as I recount each disappointment, I ask, God, where are you at work in this disappointment? God, show me, remind me of the good things you've brought about from this disappointment um, that I'm currently dealing with. And God, above all, offer me some hope in the middle of this disappointment. And then I simply invite God into the moment And I quiet my heart, and especially my mind. And I walk, and I expect nothing. And at the same time, I expect everything. But this practice brings my heart back to God, where I encounter Him. And I come back a little bit more refreshed, with a little bit more perspective. But most of the time, I come back more hopeful, because I'm more aware of the movement of God in my life. So that's what we do. We ask God um, to show us where he's working at in our disappointments. Now the last thing that we learn from Ezekiel is that God refreshes us with the spirit. God refreshes us with the spirit so we keep our eyes and ears open, we make space, we find time, we hone our attention. The last thing that happens as Ezekiel is prophesying over these dead, dry bones is that breath enters them, and they come to life. God restored life to something that was long dead. And this life is marked by breath living once again in these bones. But this has double meaning because the ancient Hebrew word for breath and spirit are the same God was granting these dead, dry bones, not just his breath, but his spirit, his very self indwelling them. Near the end of his life, Jesus told his disciples it was a good thing he was going back to the Father so he could send the Holy Spirit to them, to us. And one of the reasons he wants to send us the Holy Spirit was so that he could comfort them and be ever present with them. This is an incredible, incredible gift for us. Because when I'm aware of how God is present and working in the middle of my disappointments, I can draw deep, deep comfort from the Holy Spirit who is living within me. God refreshes us with the Spirit, His very essence, His very self. So this isn't something we work at. This is something we simply invite and welcome and expect to happen. So keep your eyes and ears open for the subtle work of the spirit because he will lead your heart back to God in the middle of your disappointments and discouragements. In the last few minutes, I'm going to lead us in prayer here, um, and then we're going to move into a time of reflection. Um, So this is a moment for you just to encounter God and be refreshed by his spirit. Um, we're gonna put a few reflection questions on the screen. So maybe during this time, just take one disappointment, whatever's on your heart, whatever thing is plaguing your mind, take one disappointment to God in as much detail as you want because beloved, he already knows your heart and he's waiting for you to come to him with this disappointment. So just bring one to the Father. And if this is new for you and you need some guidance during this time, just try asking him one of these questions. God, where are you at work in my disappointment? God, remind me of the good things that have come or are coming from this disappointment. And Father, give me some hope right now in this moment in the middle of this disappointment. So these are a few questions to just bring to the Father and ask, okay? So this moment is for you, but before I release you, I'm gonna open this time by just praying for us and over us. So I just invite you to pray with me. Father, thank you for the encounter with Ezekiel, where you invaded the heartaches of your people to bring your spirit and your hope to people. Would you also do that for us this morning? God, we welcome the Holy Spirit in this time, in this place. God, we all have so many disappointments on our hearts, things that stack up and compound over the years. God, will you bring that one thing to our mind? and help us just release it to you. God, will you show us, each and every one of us, where you're working, where you're moving, where you've made way for us in the middle of this disappointment. God, will you help us leave this place just a little bit more hopeful because we know you're working in our lives. You're working to bring your spirit and life from things that don't exist. God, we ask for comfort and a little hope this morning. And now this moment is for you, God, to to talk to us. So we welcome you in this place. And we just pray all of these things in your blessed son Jesus' name, amen.